You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're parroting our lines in Fab Facts. We're seeing the belly of the big white one in the randomizer. <gasps> and we're joined by my Space Precinct co-star, Gary Martin. Oh, that's all coming up in Pod 173. Of the Spacey Space 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 Jerry Anderson Podcast. Uh, not as catchy. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Gosh, a space precinct-themed uh, Jerry Anderson yes. podcast. How lucky about we all are. Time. Well, it's about time, too. People have been clamouring <laughs> for it, haven't they? Crying out for it, knocking on the door, banging on the windows. Yeah, all those things, they have been. Uh, and also, I mean, they'll all be fed up of Thunderbirds after Thunderbirds Day last week, I would think, yeah, right now. So, that's yeah, right. space precinct's the way to go. Anyway, look, it's not just Ooh. space precinct and Thunderbirds that we cover on this, the Jerry Anson podcast, with me, Richard James, and him. Uh, no, I'm not Richard James. Uh, with me, <laughs> I mean, Jamie Anderson, be. and him. Go on, you be Richard James, just I, for a week. I'm not sure I could live up to that, Richard. I don't Walk know what's going on shoes. here. It's been a yeah. very long day already. No, I'm actually Jamie Anderson, <laughs> despite that little slip up there, and him over there that is yeah, uh, yeah i'm richard james and, uh, and yeah. oh him over there yeah now what's what? he he's hmm? carving little figures hang on wait let me just yeah. go and see what? one second richard. Yeah. i'm just gonna go and check on yeah all right what is he up to oh don't get too close oh, no, no, hey? you're not gonna believe oh, this he's what? actually creating little miniature uh four inch high sculptures oh, of yes. you me yes and him yes. in yes. balsa wood yeah, now, I'm not sure about lovely. my nose. And he's made my ears look quite big. Well, he hasn't finished chiselling it down yet. But anyway, look, let's let's leave right. Chris to his work because he's yeah, got to finish okay, those okay. three figures in time to do the randomizer at the end of this podcast oh, yes. where he randomly watches a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson show and comments on it. Mm. What mm. else can listeners, also known as Podsterons, expect from this here episode of the Jerry Anderson well, podcast? not only can they expect, but look forward to. Because I mm. would suggest this is the finest place to come if you're a Jerry Anderson fan or have any interest in TV, sci-fi, even TV production, but especially the works of Jerry Anderson, because we'll be celebrating Agreed. his legacy and bringing you newsy, news, news, news. Mm. As the podcast continues, we've got Fab Facts in just a moment. We've got news from the Jerry Anderson universe. We've got Jamie's interview with Space Precinct and, I think, other Jerry Anderson series star, uh, Gary Martin. <laughs> you said that apologies. so dismissively. And other yeah, Jerry yeah. Anderson. Well, yeah. apparently, apparently there are others. Uh, <laughs> we've got the randomizer, of course, and we'll be hearing from our lovely podsterons who've been emailing us. You know the address by now, podcast at jerryanderson.com. Mm. Uh, they've been posting on our YouTube channel and also in our Facebook group. So we'll be hearing from them a little later on. And I think that's about it, isn't it? Is it? I mean, that's probably mm. enough. We've had a very yeah, busy few weeks, so. haven't we? As you can tell yeah. by me, uh, my case of mistaken self-identity. Uh, yes, well, it happens. <laughs> I'll try not to do that again. It's never happened All before right. in a previous 172 podcasts <laughs> here, so I don't know what's going on now. Ooh. Oh, dear. Anyway, should we uh, do a fab fact? What? Have you got one? I, I might do, and that might recenter me and get me more uh, yeah. fitting myself again. So, okay, oh, here we go for some fab fact. Now, time for this week's fab facts. Oh, yes. It's Richard James's favourite uh, yeah. part of the show because, obviously, I am Richard James and it is my favourite. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> well, I have a book of fab facts. I flicked through the book. Yes. <laughs> the other Richard James, the real Richard James, Brady shouts gear. fab. That stops mm. me flicking, and then I read you out a random fact from that page. Oh, dear. <laughs> this has started very well, hasn't it? Are you ready oh. with your fab, Richard? Born ready. Okay. I'm uh, about 70% ready with my book, so here we go. Fab! <laughs> what now? Well, it's chapter 13 and it's page 95. Oh. Okay. Which can mean something about anything directors no let's oh. uh, let's let's, oh, okay. let's yeah. go in here it so a few months ago i'm sure you will remember that we discussed the filming of the space 1999 episode space brain and the oh, yes. uh, submersion by foam of director charles Crichton. do you remember that yes i remember that. he yes. said a rude thing didn't he when he fell over he did yeah anyway we won't go into that <laughs> but today's fab fact concerns another episode that he directed in fact, the second episode of the entire series, Matter oh. of Life and Death. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, for those who need a reminder, this is the one where the Alphans are preparing to investigate a new planet when Dr. Russell's long-dead husband, Lee, <gasps> played by Richard Johnson, turns up and tells them not to, but they ignore oh, him and happens. go down anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, upon arriving on the planet, Koenig and Helena meet its seemingly only indigenous form of life, some parrots. Oh, yes. Now, obviously, these parrots were hired from some kind of <laughs> animal performer rental service yeah. so that they could appear on the show. However, once they were placed on the alien planet set and the cameras rolled, one of them was revealed to be a very quick <gasps> study because what? it went on to ruin take after take by calling cut in a perfect <laughs> imitation of director Charles Crichton's distinctive voice. <laughs> Great. Uh, now, possibly, oh, this really? parrot was a budding director himself, and maybe yeah. he'd spotted some legitimate problem with the scene. But obviously, you can only have one director, and that was Charles Crichton. So unfortunately, this particular parrot had to be uh -huh, cut uh, from the production. Uh, wait, what do you mean by that? Well, it was just it's dismissed. Just, oh, I see. Nothing serious. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, now, we should point out that this naughty parrot is not typical of many hard-working actor parrots in the British film industry. Right. For example, the late great Diana Rigg once owned a parrot named Chrome, uh, with whom she used to practice her lines for various projects. Unfortunately, she eventually okay. had to get rid of Chrome, partly because her career meant she couldn't spend as much time with him as she needed, and partly ah. because, having rehearsed the script for On Her Majesty's Secret Service with him, he then yeah. took to reciting lines from the film to any visitors to their house, not ideal <gasps> when he spilled the beans on certain plot oh! twists the producers would oh, rather no! have kept secret. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So, Diana gave Chrome to her Avengers stunt double, Sid Child. And a few years later, Sid stunt doubled for a pre-Maya Catherine Shell in Return of the Pink Panther. Ah, uh, yeah. Word got around that Sid owned a parrot, and this eventually landed Chrome the role of a naughty parrot in the sequel, The Pink Panther Strikes Again. So, <laughs> this, does, right, this is going on. somewhere. Having, it? having shared the big screen with Peter Sellers, where was yeah. Chrome going to go next? Well, I, I can't wait. Well, that's right, Richard James, you've guessed it. Into the oh. James Bond films. Uh, eh? Friend of the podcast and future Space Precinct director John Glenn cast Chrome oh, yes. the Parrot as Max the Parrot in For Your Eyes Only. Uh, he's the one that, that chats up Margaret Thatcher at the end of the film. You know the one? 
John was evidently so impressed by his performance that he hired him again in 1987 for The Living Daylights. Is it first of April today? Um, where, Where he played the parrot in the kitchen. In I mean, fact, yeah, okay, but listen, he's quite limited though. He only seems to play parrots. <laughs> yes, he's not I mean, like you. Not you can play cigarettes and aliens and humans and <laughs> exactly. knights at the round table. Anyway, uh, the very first shot filmed by the first unit on the first day of shooting for the Living Daylights was a close-up of Chrome the parrot. No. So clearly, the animal acting industry of the 1970s and 80s included some professionally trained thespian parrots like Chrome. Yeah. But unfortunately, yeah. Space 1999 was not to be blessed with his talents. Although Sid Child would later be Catherine Schell's stunt double again during the second season of Space 1999, so maybe a role could have been found for Chrome. Although right. he sounds like he was more interested in doing movies than television. <laughs> Right, he's moved on, do you think, in his career? Yes, I think he had. I mean, I thought you were just doing a parrot impression there. What? Um, what? Yeah, it's... Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the strangest bad facts I think we've, we've had. <laughs> Sorry, what was the connection again? <laughs> it was the naughty parrot up front. Yeah, 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 yeah no, that's good. That's uh, good, it, I like uh, it. Imitated Charles okay. Crichton. So... Uh, yeah, that's right. So I guess possibly okay. the question Great. is, do you have a parrot that can imitate an Anderson uh-huh. actor or crew member <laughs> yeah. perfectly? Uh, we'd love yeah. to know and hear a recording. Please do I mean, send that terrible. to podcast at jerryanson.com. I, I, yeah, the, the parrot uh, uh, spoiling the end of uh, On a Magic Secret Service to any, any visitors that happen to come around. Yeah. She dies at the end. <laughs> she dies at the end. Oh, I, I haven't sorry. seen it yet. Spoil- sorry, spoilers. Oh. Sorry. <clears throat> Anyway, I'm sure they were really irritated by that parrot shouting cut because after the first couple of times, it just wouldn't be funny because they, you know, they no, had, you know, exactly. scheduled to keep to and it was costing yes. them money. And so yes. maybe yes. it was. I was really hoping that uh, it was going to be Chrome, the same parrot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. That, that, that would have been something. But sadly, it seems like that wasn't to be. Sadly. Anyway, that's an unusual <laughs> fact, isn't it? It certainly is, yes. Can't wait to see the comments underneath this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm feeling they'll be rather unusual. Anyway, if you've got any other thoughts of uh, birds appearing in Jerry Anderson shows, or any others for that matter, then to, do please comment uh, wherever you find this, or drop us an email to podcast at jerryanderson.com, and I look forward to hearing your various birds uh, and their uh, ornithological impressions <laughs> of Anderson-related actors and uh, crew members. Anyway, I think we should probably uh, leave this because it's so weird. I feel like I've slipped into the Twilight Zone. (laughs) So, rather weirdly, (laughs) that's definitely the end of this week's... Parrot Fact! fact. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no! There's there's no way I I could have impersonated a a, a Uh, parrot just like you there, Richard James. It's ridiculous. I mean, that's, what, 173 pods it took us to get to this point? Yeah, and that that actually was the sound of the barrel being scraped, so we hope you enjoyed that. That's good. Oh, I love it. I think that's that's, that's definitely my favourite. Well done, Jamie. Now, talking about people emailing in, you'll be relieved to hear that people have been doing just that over the last week or so to podcast at jerryanderson.com. Would you like to hear some ease? Please, yes. Uh, Peter Dernan got in touch to say, I, and I would suggest many fellow Podstrons, would pay serious money to a charity of his choice to see Jamie in a Joe 90 cosplay, please. Maybe at the next <sighs> Fab Live? Come on, Richard, make it happen. Best regards, Peter Dernan. What do you reckon, Jamie? Uh, unfortunately, I'm uh, washing my hair for whatever date that oh. was, so I <laughs> won't be okay. available to do a Joe 90 cosplay. Oh, I mean, it's shame. a great uh, idea. I'm not really the right build for it either. 
Okay. Uh, Terry got in touch to say, <laughs> I always like to help others if I can, and you have helped me stay sane in this time of need. And I always repay those who help me with my puzzles and other ways. But he says, I've also missed pod 170, but I hope to find it. Oh, well, it's around, same as the rest it. of them. I'm sure I left it somewhere. Um, also, he says, did you know that every American sci-fi film made since the 1970s, like all of the Star Wars films, Buck Rogers films and TV shows, Flash Gordon, to name just a hundredth of them, could never have been made if it wasn't for the skill and dedication of one man who dedicated his life to his work. I mean, of course, the one and only Jerry Anderson, the man who launched the most sophisticated puppet shows in the world, says Terry. Incidentally, Brian Blessed will be here in Hereford in a few weeks. Yes, I've got my seat booked. That's from Terry. Well, I hope you don't sit too near the front, Terry. Yeah, yeah, you, you could you probably sit somewhere close to the back. It's probably safer. You could probably stand outside the theatre, to be honest. <laughs> Scott By says, hello, Jamie, Richard and Chris. Hello. Which is nice. He says, one of my favourite episodes from Thunderbirds is City of Fire, with my favourite scenes being fire and rescue units responding and evacuating, Firefly leaving Thunderbird 2, reusing music from Pit of Peril, and the mole proceeding to corridor D50 position and drilling underground with the Thunderbird 4 theme. My question is this. Do any of the Century 21 team recount the making of this episode? I would assume with all those fires and smoke, it would have been a health and safety issue. Keep up the good work. Kind regards, Scott By. Well, I don't think Elf and Safety came into it back then, really, yeah. did it? I mean, they yeah. blew out the back of the studio at one point and the place was full of, you know, black rubber dust smoke and all sorts of stuff. So. Yes, yes. And also, I think, you know, some of the team definitely recall fairly specific models and sequences and moments. But generally speaking, mm. you're talking about one to three weeks of work True. 56 years ago. True. So if someone yes. said to you, do you remember that uh, three weeks of work you did 56 years ago? Yeah. You might yeah. go, oh, vaguely. Yeah. What? 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 Yeah, that's right, yes. Uh, yes, true. Yeah, and even come I, up with a, a, a false memory as well. Uh, potentially, that happens. does that does happen a lot. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, particularly, you know, uh, there were a lot of explosions and a lot of models involved in the <laughs> yes. making of Thunderbirds. So I should, I should think narrow it down, narrowing it down is sometimes quite difficult. Yeah, it probably is, understandably. Yeah. Hi, says Gary O'Brien. Hi, Gary. Uh, I stumbled across your recent YouTube video about the disappearance of Barry Morse's character from season two of Space 1999. Oh, yes. yes. He said, I thought you might be interested to learn that his son, Hayward Morse, stars in a Star Trek Next Generation fan film that I directed. Oh. And he did. It's true. So if you head on over to YouTube and just uh, type in Chance Encounter, uh, Star Trek fan film, something like that directed by Gary O'Brien, and it does indeed star Hayward Morse. It's really well made, and gosh, he's the spitting image of his father, which is lovely. Mm. Yeah, it's very sweet. Worth a look. Can have a look. Uh, and finally for now, Dean Harrison says, Hi, Jamie and Richard. Hello, Not so Dean. much a guest star crossover, but a possible deleted scene from season two, where Brian Blessed, playing mentor, commenting on Barry Morse's absence from the show, was heard to proclaim, Bergman's alive! <sighs> Cheers, Dean Harris. Ooh. Uh, there we are. Uh, I mean, could have happened. Could have happened. Could, could have happened. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, all for now. Do send in your emails. Try and make them a little more serious. Let's have some really weighty, worthy emails. Uh, perhaps about the uh, sort of cultural phenomenon uh, and the legacy oh, that these yes. shows have left behind. I'd like a 12,000 word treatise on the social mores of the time compared to our more perhaps lax liberal social attitudes of today. Please, and I'll read it all out next week. Fantastic request. And that, that'll give me a, a week off, I suspect, yeah. if you read the whole thing. So <laughs> yeah, please least. do go over that. Uh, now, you mentioned the cultural impact. We're going to be touching that in the news very shortly. Unless there's anything oh. else you would like to bridge that gap with, 
with, and I suggest we head yeah. immediately to <gasps> the Jerry Anderson News. Here it comes! Yes, it is the Jerry Anderson News, 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 News. news, news. news. Oh, that was beautifully synchronous. Yeah, goodness me. Uh, Now, lots of things... Yes, you're right. Lots of things have been happening. Uh, And I think we should probably start with a bit of a recap of all the stuff that happened for Thunderbirds Day last week. Yes! Well, first of all, I think we should say, have you listened to Four Hours to Eternity, the Thunderbirds audio book, read... And uh, I should say performed, in fact, by mm. uh, the one and only Nicholas Briggs. It yeah, was our marvelous. free story that we put out for you straight from a 1968 TV21 annual. It's, uh. a, it's a great little story. It feels so Thunderbirds-esque. And I think Nick does a fantastic job performing it. Nick, thank you so yeah, much for that contribution. If you enjoyed it, do uh, pop along to Twitter and thank him for his fine work. Yeah. On it. He's at Briggs Nicholas uh, over there. Oh. Um, or comment below wherever you uh, find this or send us an email and we'll pass on your thanks. Mm. I suppose a couple of exciting things were talked about, though. Just one or two. Yeah. So we obviously had the... Uh, well, let's start with the concert, shall we? I mean, Whoa! that's pretty blooming exciting. I had teased yep. a few weeks ago that the 16th of April next year would bring something rather special. And indeed yes. it will be. Uh, yes. So that is the Jerry Anderson concert called Stand By for Action. Um, Fantastic. Which I'm afraid uh, it's now by law that can only be said in that exact way. So uh, oh, I see. please Fair don't enough. say it limply. You must always say mm. Stand By for Action. Yeah, um, just like that. So, Stand By for Action yeah. oh, is yeah. coming uh, for the Birmingham Symphony Hall next year. That's April the 16th, 2022, as part of our kind of celebration few days of all things Anderson leading on from Jerry Wonderful. Anderson Day on the 14th of April. It'll feature all your favourite uh, themes and some incidental music, a full orchestra. It'll be absolutely gorgeous, and we're going to have a great night there, and I look forward yeah. to seeing as many of you there as possible. Now, <gasps> uh, you can pre-order tickets from i believe the end of this week so mm-hmm. uh from the 7th of october if you go to the birmingham symphony halls website to their box office go on to the standby for action oh. Oh. um yeah. pre-sale mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can get in there using the password jerry 2022 so all Brilliant. capitals G E R R Y two zero two two, and then you can pre-order your tickets uh, twenty four hours in advance of them going on general sale, and that's a special treat to you because you are a lovely Podstrong, and oh, we want well to done. give you the best chance possible of, of making it to the concert because it's going to be yeah. a very special evening. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, more on that in due course. Also, we had yeah. a few bits and pieces released, some rather cool Thunderbirds Day T-shirts, uh, which we're ah. going to keep on sale, I think, because they are so cool. Yeah, um, Brains Parker and a Penelope t-shirt as part of a new range I think they're going to look pretty cool so uh, they're going to stay for a while uh, we announced a new range of handmade screen prints from John Patrick Reynolds which are absolutely gorgeous the first of which uh-huh. is a Scott Tracy image which has gone on sale and of course Peril in Peru the new Thunderbirds ah, audiobook yes. uh, starring John Colshaw and Justin T. Lee mm. Wayne Forrester, Joe Jameson, Genevieve Gaunt and Leon Brophy oh. And I feel like I've missed somebody out, but hopefully I haven't because I'm Mm -hmm. rubbish. Uh, Directed by Sam Clemens once again. Uh, Gorgeous cover art by Marcus Stamps. Um, Yes, there's so much good stuff out right now for fans of Anderson stuff and so much stuff coming down the line. 
If you're a cyclist, you may also have noticed Hoob, that's H-U-U-B, are doing a fantastic range of Thunderbird cycling tops, long and short sleeve. They are pretty stunning. Um, Are they? I almost want to take up cycling for it. But uh, yes, if you are a cyclist, if you are a mammal, that's a middle-aged man in Lycra. um, But I suppose you can also be a mawl. Um, yes, or any aged person in Lycra. Yes, um, and but the acronym's not quite so cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, so you can grab those from the Jerry Anderson store. If we're out of stock, then you can go directly to Hoob Cycling H U U B. Nice. What do they look like? Are they sort of blue in a sash and all that? Or no, no, no. There's no such. They're vehicle. It's a logo. They're and... vehicle related. So oh, it looks like it. you are Thunderbird Great. Two or you are Thunderbird One. That's the idea. Perfect. So they're rather yeah, lovely. Nice. So you can get one, two, and four right now. Nice. And finally. Tech Talk Series 3 is here. You may have seen the opening episode of The Mole launched last week. Well, from this Saturday and for every Saturday for the next nine weeks, you can enjoy a load more episodes of Tech Talk, all hosted by the lovely John Colshaw playing Jeff Tracy. And um, you get Jeff talking you through a load of international rescue and other vehicles from the Jerry Anderson universe. Goodness me. And those are free. But totally yeah, free for brilliant. you to enjoy, at just like Four right. Hours to Eternity, the uh, the Thunderbird story. Anyway, look, yeah. there's probably Gosh. more news. There's so much stuff going on. Forgive <sighs> me if we've forgotten something. I mean, remember, this is the person who thought he was Richard James earlier on. That's so I'm true. Amazed that I've given you any of that. Yeah. So yeah, for now, we've got this far. Really. <laughs> yeah. For now, I think that is the end of this week's Jerry Anderson news. That was the news, Jerry Anderson news. Were That's a slight change, isn't it? Were you going to change? I thought you were thinking, how, yeah. how can I say? No, I'll just go for yeah. the answer news. No, I'll just go for it. Yeah, uh, no, nice. I mean, it is, you know, there, it, we often say it, but this is brand new Jerry Anderson stuff, isn't it? Happening right now. Who would have thought? You know, I know that it's uh, the adaptations of the books and so on, but they feel like new Thunderbirds adventures, don't they? They really That's do. That's the great thing about all these adaptations. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and many, 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 many more to come, which is very exciting. Yes. Uh, yes, and there's, I mean, there's more Stingray, there's more Thunderbirds. <gasps> stuff is being recorded all the time, um, yes. and yeah, you know, as we've said before, things can be slow in development, uh, and it takes a yep. while for things to get into production. But stuff is going on in the background. Um, right. Don't forget to stand by for action. Oh God, it did it again. Oh. Yeah, right. Just uh, next time a warning might be quite useful. Sorry, sorry. Before That's like you... when you do a quick fire uh, five. Yeah, thanks. Uh, oh, that warning I get. Talking of which. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Sorry. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, but let's on, head on over to our Facebook page, shall we? Or our group, rather. Yes. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons, mm. where people have been posting all sorts of stuff like Martin Wickham, who says, I just wanted to share with you my scratch-built Thunderbird 2 launch bay. I've just built this for a friend to display his giant Thunderbird 2 model. Not 100% screen accurate, but as close as I could get. And he posted some lovely pictures there. Well done, Martin. Looks fantastic. Paul Hyder posted, I was watching Pit of Peril yesterday and I noticed that the mole's side caterpillar tracks seem to be going in the wrong direction if they're meant to shunt the mole downwards. Similarly, when the mole was retracted, they were again going in the wrong direction, though this may have just been reversed film from the mole's entry. Is this a known thing? Am I wrong? Um, I don't know if it's a known thing and I don't know if you're Mm. wrong but the reversed footage thing does seem to make sense potentially it does you can Um, understand that can't you really I think we need to forensically analyse it or bring in an expert unfortunately Chris Dale is still rather busy with his balsa wood I think think he's Uh, got himself a splinter there in fact didn't he get splinters from balsa wood well Uh, he's managed it he's got a pair of tweezers though, so he's alright but maybe Chris will answer that for you uh, at another juncture yeah Uh, Ian Clark posted wish me luck I'm about to watch that episode of the protectors oh i think we know 
what he means. Yes, I'm so sorry. Well, it's not my fault, but I'm still sorry. No, true. He chose to watch it. Uh, John McDonald says, Hi, Podstrons. Just a short appreciation for Space Precinct Revisited, the audio from Anderson Entertainment and Big Finish. Four lovely short stories written and read by the fabulous... Richard James. Oh, that, thank you very much. That's me. I'm um, really glad hey, no, to no, enjoy no, no, no. I think it means the real Richard James. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> he says, uh, I've not seen Space P in its entirety yet. <laughs> that feels like an entirely different show, doesn't it? Uh, but I feel I've come to know it well through a combination of re- reading Richard's memoir about his time on sets uh. on the series, as well as regularly listening to Chris's thoughts on the randomizer and watching the YouTube episodes that are available. Mm. Richard's adaptation of the original pilot script, which was never filmed, is another great way into the series for the uninitiated. This excellent present presentation of Space Precinct Revisited expands the original Space Precinct universe by giving some slightly lesser characters a bigger role to play, such as Slow-Mo, a broken wife and daughter. I really enjoyed listening to these stories, and I highly recommend this fab audio to any Anderson fans out there who perhaps haven't given Space Precinct a try yet. Mm. Bye for now. And that's John McDonald. That's nice, isn't Thanks, it? Thanks, John. Yeah, that's a lovely thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you are a, a very fine writer, as we know, Gareth James, and a very Definitely. fine reader and a very fine gentleman. I mean, uh, you know, so I'm on very, that I'm theme, very glad. Yeah, what? Miles Parrish posted, it's five out of five for Five Star Five, oh. which I just finished reading five minutes ago. He says, I know the plan was live action, but in my mind's eye, I couldn't help picturing a mix of 1970s, 80s anime series like Star Blazers and yeah. Astro Boy, which I think is a good point. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that as well. Yeah. Martin Smith posted a picture of his Space uh, 1999 Christmas jumper and his Space 1999 Big Finish audio set saying, uh, the postman delivers twice. Thanks to everyone at Jerry Anderson Stores. Ordered Friday, delivered today. A sterling service. As always, the jumper looks even better in the flesh. Thanks again. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, lovely. Uh, have you got yours yet? Let us know. I haven't got mine yet. Uh, you haven't? No. Oh. I need to sort oh. that out, don't I? Oh, oh, I'm just going to wear the one I got three years ago. <laughs> uh, Martin Bontiff says, another great podcast, guys. The podcast is a nice antidote to work on a Monday morning, especially after returning after a week off. Add to that the randomizer picking my favourite Anderson show. I'm a fan of season two, Chris Dale. Oh, he's I'm he's... That must be season two, Space 1999, rather than season two of Chris Dale. (laughs) Is there a season two? Well, where where an American producer comes in and changes him up for no reason and (laughs) uh, makes him a little bit more sort of campy and silly and has him dancing around with a rubber monster. Exactly. He is a big top of that. I think we're we're well into season two already by the sounds of that. Steve Rogers, uh, his polls have continued on our Facebook group. Uh, he recently posted the results of Chris Dale's convention cosplay poll, Ooh. according to our lovely listeners. In third place, Rick O'Shea. Ah. In second place, the Duchess of Royston. Mm. But in first place, I'm afraid, it's Torchy the Battery Boy. Oh, fair. Yeah, uh, well, I should just give a quick shout out to uh, Jack Knoll, friend of the show. Ah, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, lovely Jack. Do you remember years ago at Andercon 2015, he yes. cosplayed as Torchy? I, I, you know, I don't remember that. And no, I, think, really? I think his lovely wife uh, uh, cosplayed as Twizzle. Uh, <laughs> and it was absolutely fantastic and deserves a special mention even now, yes. all these years later. Quite Great. terrifying. Yes, um, I blanked it from my memory. That's I think I many that. of us may have yes. done, but yes, worth, worth a mention. Yeah, and uh, finally, another of, uh, of Steve's polls. Uh, Favourite Space Precinct character. Do you want to hear the results? <sighs> Is it in third place, well, Officer Orin? In mm. second place, <clears throat> Officer Hubble Orin? No. And in first place, no. go on, go on, tell no, me No, we've are. got in fourth place, Slow-Mo. Yeah. Third place, Patrick Brogan. Yeah. Second place, Hubble Orin. Ooh. Controversial. First place, Jane Castle, which oh. I think is fair enough. 
Yeah. I'm surprised. Oh, you know. Yeah, I thought Romac would have featured in the top four. But... Uh... <laughs> True, yeah, there we are. So, uh, yeah, do head on over to our Facebook group. Uh, they're lovely people over there, and uh, I'm sure they'd love you to join in the fun as well. A few questions to answer, uh, and we'll let you in. I look forward to seeing you there, because I do occasionally yeah. dip in, just to say hello. Yeah, I know, it's nice, isn't it? It is, they're lovely people, so thanks for keeping it all nice there, Postrons. Uh Richard James, would you like to hear from an old colleague of yours? Oh, I'd love to, yeah. Well... As you know, because you've already said it earlier on this podcast, it's yes. Gary Martin. Yeah, yes, it is. It so is. Uh, you, you'll know Gary Martin's voice if you watch Space Precinct from Slow Mo, but you'll also know his voice because, well, he basically does all the movie trailer announcements. Ah. Uh, anything that begins with In a World, Gary <laughs> yeah. probably said it. But Gary <laughs> yeah. worked with Dad on a number of projects over the years, starting with the Space Police pilot in 1986, mm-hmm. where he mm-hmm. uh, he played, uh, was it Evil? Oh, yeah, yeah, the villain, yes. No, I can't remember which one it was. Oh, that's it. Anyway, maybe yes. Villain, but yeah. the big sort of t- the poop monster, people have called him. <laughs> okay. Because right, he, yeah. he does look a bit like a big pile of poop. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, Gary also has fond memories of earlier Anderson shows uh, and has had a long career as an actor and voice actor and continues to do so. Um, yes. Obviously, you'll know him as Slow Mo, but he's done a load of movie trailers and, uh, well, you'll hear why the moment he starts talking. So, without further Correct. ado, here are the many dulcet tones of Gary Martin. Stand by for action. Oh. Hello, my name is Gary Martin. I'm a voice artist and actor. Um, you probably know me as uh, maybe the honey monster. Hey, tell about the honey mummy. <laughs> or maybe you want to forget that. I don't know. Many other voices <laughs> like uh, in the world, one man, two girls and a renegade cop rated 18. That kind of stuff. Or that's all, folks. <laughs> Gary, I could listen to you speak all day just Thank in your you. normal speaking voice, but then when you add the other stuff in, it's just amazing. Yeah. If I said I was going to ask you this, but I'm, I'm going to ask you now, mm-hmm. where does your voice come from? I know it's you know the the mechanics of speaking I'm aware of, but did your folks have this amazing kind of tone pitch? Where where when did it appear? That's a strange one. I um. My father uh, is and uh, was a singer more so. Um, mm. He was kind of like a rangy baritone. Uh, mm. I I think it probably all happened when my voice broke. I, yeah. I, I, that was probably when I was about 13. There was a, a girl I really liked in a choir called Julie Monk, of all names, bless her. Yeah. And um, I kind of got my way into there by singing in the choir. Mm. And then my voice broke. And I remember the, the, the vicar said, can we just stop? It sounds like somebody's braces are broken. Because my voice went, oh, <laughs> and it it was so embarrassing. Do you remember when you used to play football and you'd go, pass the ball? And oh, the gu- yes. girls would laugh at you. So my voice took a little while to settle down. But yeah, I don't know where my where the bass side of it comes from. You know, when I'm getting into those film trailers, it's just something I've worked on. And uh, thank goodness it stuck with me. I, first film trailer was for a thing called Saturn V with... Um, mm. With Farrah Fawcett and Kirk Douglas and Ed Bishop, who didn't, oh, no who didn't get um, he didn't get credited in the film, I believe. So that oh. was my first film trailer. I did things like Kiora, I'll be your dog, and that kind of stuff. And as I said, the Honey Monster. So I really, it's probably practice, and just I'm lucky to. I, I try to keep my voice in a, a, a in a higher register, otherwise I get typecast. Which isn't a bad thing. That's <laughs> <laughs> not bad when it's so cool. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a great voice, Gary. So, Thank yeah, you. I'm looking forward to just you. just listening, but also t- chatting to you about all things Anderson. So we will get into the fact that you work with Dad later on. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, normally at this point, we jump in the TARDIS or uh, whatever relevant time machine you have to hand and yep. uh, pop back to your childhood. So I'm really looking for your first memories of anything Anderson. Um, yeah. Any Anderson show at all. It doesn't have to be the first thing, but perhaps the thing that sticks in your mind the most. Definitely. Okay. You want me just, you're going to ask me the question or I'll just go. No, go, go for it. Get, give me your earliest Anderson memories. All right. My earliest Anderson memories. Um, I, I do remember Fireball XL5. I, I just thought it was so cool. And uh, I'd sit in front of the telly with a mate called Phil. And um, I remember this had been about 1963. I'm yep. sure. And we would just watch these black and white uh uh, fabulous uh, shows and uh, Robbie the Robot was a character that I really yeah. liked as well yeah and well we did we had to sit in front of black and white TV because that's all we had and then I remember uh, Stingray yeah I love, yep. love Stingray yeah and well yes we're all little boys I think we love Marina um, <laughs> um, and then Thunderbirds but uh, great shows um, mm. In 1966, once again with Phil, my friend, uh, we went to the Odeon in Hayes, Middlesex, and we saw Thunderbirds Are Go, the, yes. the actual, and it was just amazing. Big screen, and yeah. uh, uh, just, just, just fabulous. Happy memories, and I remember both of us got tape recorders, I think the year before, little little reel-to-reel ones. Wasn't, yeah, yeah. wasn't probably about... Uh, foot by seven inches um and it had run on batteries and we used to just make up stories and play them to each other with these ah. little microphones so maybe that's an early uh, indication that i wanted to do voices of some kind yeah it must have been so were, but were those little stories any any other than thunderbirds related or was it just anything you could think of any were any messing around all sorts of things that would have been also i remember we watched uh, i'm going off the track a little bit but doctor do. who seeing the very first episode yeah. And we sat there and we've got, oh, my goodness. And then the following week, they played it again, the same episode. And we couldn't really work out why they would do that. Um, I found it many years later. It was when I think they were showing Kennedy's funeral. And they didn't get, well, they didn't get the view of fig- viewing figures. So they decided to reshow it again. Yeah. And William Hartnell. And, uh, yeah, all of those were special things we used to watch. Loved it, Fireball XL5 and uh, Stingray. Yes, amazing. And the songs. Yes. It was too, yeah. Well, of course, if you, especially if you had a, the music running in the family with your, your dad as a singer, I'm sure you were kind of extra aware of anything musical, right? But, well, they all sounded like pop stars. The, mm. the singer of a stingray and Aquamarina at the end of the credits. And yeah. anything can happen in the next half hour. Ding, 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 ding. It's, oh, yeah. Five, four, <laughs> three, two, one. Which I went on to impersonate years ago. Because your dad said, would I do some of the voices for the, the Tracy Islands? Yes, uh, I, I also played the voice of, for the, some of the toys, I did the voice of the Misterons and Captain yeah. Black. And they, uh, a strange story. This was, uh, we made them. They looked amazing, these stories. And you would press them and they, they would say, everyone will die. This is the voice. Of, this is the voice of the Mr. Rons. I'm just trying to remember. We know you can hear us earthlings. And I did this and they had, there were two toys. One was a gadget you fitted on your wrist, which if you press one button, these Mr. Ron green rings wouldn't move, but they would just flash up on a wall. Probably great for a, a, yeah. a teenager to use in a club or so a university student. <laughs> and it would have, this is the voice of the Mr. Rons. And then we had a, uh, a doll, which was was Captain Black, and he would say, everyone will die. But the reason I'm telling this story is that they all came out on the shelves 
flying off. And about a week later, um, 9-11 happened. And yes. all of the toys were removed. Anything with the words die, explosion, this, that, and the other, all taken off. So so Woolies, I got mine from Woolies. That's <laughs> it's a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and they all came off, off the shelf. I remember being called in. I was doing voiceovers for Nickelodeon. And we recorded something like exploding onto your screens. And it was such a sensitive subject that I was called back in on a three or four ad to take words like that out and replace them with something else. Yeah. I, I remember there was, a, there was quite a creepy advert that they did for Scarlet being rerun on the BBC, which yes. they had to pull very quickly because it had kind of terrorist connotations. And, and it was such a sensitive time. Anything even remotely in, in that area had to be taken off or revoiced. Yeah. Yeah. Strange times. A- a very strange time. I, I think I've got a, a Thunderbird um, keyring sound sound effects keyring with your voice Give on. Give you my voice on it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Up, up to my little storage thing here. So. I'm going to have to sort. I've I've I was always told Ed Bishop used to say, you know, hang on to everything, don't open anything up, you know. So I've still got a, one of the covers a big Tracy Island. I think I nice. played Virgil and I played um, uh, the dad. Oh God, my brain. Do Jeff. Jeff, yeah, do Jeff. One and a Thunderbird three and some other toys, and I haven't opened them up. So, hey, I know I can see. Get them on eBay, Gary. Come on, no, that's terrible. That's um, (laughs) Ed said to me when we did a pilot of Captain Scarlet again, a remake, and that was with. I'm just gonna sit with this. That was you, Ed Bishop, and Frankie Matthews, wasn't it? Yes, Frankie. Is he known as you called him Frankie? Francis Matthews, Frankie. Yeah. Yeah. Did I learn some stories that day? Uh, oh, well, now now's the time God. to relay them if they're appropriate. <laughs> Just well, no. Well, Francis Matthews was was lovely. We all sat and had mm. lunch, and we had all these spots on our faces because we were doing, you know, um, it, it was all you know. There's not so much yeah, CGI and stuff. Yeah, it was um, facial capture, wasn't it? Facial you were capture. Experimenting with even in 2000, that must have been. I guess it, it was, and that was the first time I'd met um, Francis Matthews, and he told us how he came up with, with the voice and what jerry was looking for and i suppose you know what he based the voice on did he tell you uh it's now ridiculously has escaped my mind but for anyone who doesn't know come on yeah he based it on cary grant the actor cary grant archibald leach so um yeah it it, it was that was quite something he told us some other bits and bobs and I'd worked with Ed a few times before. What a lovely man he is, I mm. tell you. And we go off and we sometimes kind of have a coffee and a chat afterwards. And we did a bit of ADR together. Yeah. Uh, he did say to me, he said, Gary, always keep your um, keep your scripts. He said, I got mine under a bed. He said, and some of them are, some of them are signed, some of them aren't. He said, uh, he said, Jerry used to suss me out sometimes when I asked him to sign one. And he said, I used to hang on to those. And you never know when you're going to need them. And as you said, get them on eBay. Yeah, exactly. Um, I never really had the courage because I thought the moment you asked, if I asked your dad to sign something, I would suddenly become not a friend. I'd become a workmate kind of yeah i was detached so i yeah. did i didn't ever ask for autographs which never? i wish i had but yeah i was just a pleasure with working with him was 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 enough at the time and uh, mm. he liked what i did and um and we got on well it's uh so yeah happy memories but nothing signed oh, <laughs> oh well Shay, you missed out there but at least no, i mean come okay. on working with is pretty good right that compared was, to having something is, signed is by. more important than anything he, mm. he was he was great he, he liked what i did uh, I could suggest stuff, um, and he would say, "Yeah, let's do. It. Let's put a little twist on that." 
and and it was great. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. super. I wish I worked with him in the earlier days. I'd maybe done some Thunderbirds or something like that, but or maybe some of the original Captain Scarlet's, but I'm maybe just a bit too young. Yeah, I remember buying the bit. single of Captain Scarlet. <laughs> I can't remember who sang what, by it. By the Spectrum, the Spectrum. By, yes, was it by the Spectrum? Yeah. My goodness, and Stingrays too. I think I did have I did have a Stingray toy. You've got me going back now. I'm really it's amazing. It's yeah, the power of nostalgia. The power of it? nostalgia. I'm back there in the in the, in the 60s, yeah. and uh, some great memories. Did you ever get TV 21, the comic? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that yes we, we all bought that um would that been that came up before yes it did come up before looking do you remember the magazine yes it was prize looking Lookin'. but yes definitely we all got that uh it's it's <laughs> there was the things you watched that you were you, with growing up i think we only had the three channels mm. so you know they did get Bigger, bigger viewing figures. And, um, yeah, massive. And, yeah. And Jerry, yes, they must have got huge figures. And I, I think I think I went along to see Thunderbird. Was it Thunderbird 6? Yeah, that was you know, the feature 68. Film? That was about 1968. Yeah, I yeah. went along to see that. That was with the, um, it was a World War One plane. I can't the remember. Tiger Moth, Tiger the Moth. yellow Tiger Moth. That's yeah. right, yes, because Brains was trying to create something and it, it just wasn't, yeah. uh, it, well, he wasn't making it this time. So he... Yes, that, that was that was 1968, was it? Yeah, wow. a little while ago. So, uh, f- interestingly, uh, Gary, so a lot of people who... Well, the films were not very successful mm-hmm. um, against expectations. You know, Lou Grade at the time thought they were going to be bigger than Bond. Yes. But people just didn't flock to the cinemas. As a kid, you, clearly, you know, they're, they're quite major memories for you. Definitely. So how, how did it compare for you from seeing it on the telly to seeing it on the big screen? Was it was it as exciting as you expected? I Certainly the first one in particular, because I was a little bit younger too. It was, yes, mm. we immersed ourselves. It was in in the, uh, what was the, the name of the scope? Cinemascope? What, what? Yeah, but, ta- ma- Technoscope. Technoscope, not marination scope or something like yeah, that. Yeah, su- super marination. Super marination, yeah. And then that came up on the screen. It was like, oh my God. It was, it, it was just, just <laughs> fabulous. And I think we saw it a couple of times that week. Because in those days, as long as you didn't leave the building, you only got yourself a Kiora or a hot dog, you could go back and see it again. And so I think we did on that day. We went back in again and saw it. And, and just it was a bit. Uh, I think it was something that everybody did. Mm. Um, <laughs> I saw the Italian job about six times in one week <laughs> when it came out. <laughs> Um, no, but that it was fabulous. We we enjoyed it. The explosions on the big screen as well. It it it. Yeah, we were made up with it, and it's such a shame it didn't didn't have that Bond impact. No. But uh, it, it certainly didn't put us off. Okay, so for you as kids, it was exciting. But I think there was a general perception that at the time there was a kind of view that oh, well, I can see that on on the telly at home for free. I don't need to go to the cinema to see that. Yeah, I, I suppose so. I, I I don't know why that would have been. But there was, I remember the cinema being pretty full. I remember mm. the kids screaming and shouting when they were watching it. So uh, yeah, uh, I don't know how many kids' films were made at those times. I mean, Disney, obviously. Yeah, but not not many others. No, uh, it's right. It's very different sort of time. But it's kind of nice to hear from somebody who saw it and felt like it was energetic and full of totally, happy audience members. Totally, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, the sixties did have some some lovely memories. I suppose maybe growing up in the sixties, 
you you kind of remember it if you're mm. too old they say if you remember you remember the 60s then you weren't there but uh, no I, I, I we 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 enjoyed it and uh, your dad did some some amazing stuff there was one series we did which he wasn't so enamored with it was a thing called GFI Ah, uh, uh, you were involved <laughs> with GFI. I, well, I see. I wouldn't have admitted it years ago. I don't know the ins and outs of that, Jamie. You obviously do, but I, I certainly uh, know yes. it was a league. I probably didn't want his name put to it. The storylines weren't very good. This is nothing to do with your your dad. Uh, the animation was was dreadful. Um, yeah. So we well, did. Uh, I can give it some positioning for listeners who Please. don't know. It was a it was a show called uh, G Force Intergalactic mm-hmm. and GFI, and it was uh, about a, a, a well an intergalactic rescue force who were based out of a sort of um, a dome on an asteroid, and it was uh, James uh, who was the lead character, a few other humans, two aliens called. Arjun and Orr, maybe? Oh, you've got a better memory than me. <laughs> I think. Um, and they had a computer and AI called George Washington. That was me. That was probably you. Yeah. yeah, of course it was. <laughs> and I and it, was a, it was a kind of, you know, a rescue on a on a, an intergalactic scale thing. And they made it in Russia. They did an animation in Russia. I remember oh. Dad uh, leaving the home with um, suitcases full of rubles. Because wow. it was all very dodgy, and uh-huh. um, and then the production collapsed, and it wasn't looking great anyway, so it's probably a good thing that it fell to bits. So did you record, because I, I, I know very little about the voice cast and recording stuff, you were there, was Robbie Stevens on that Robbie cast Stevens as well? Robbie Stevens was on that Who as well. Was there? Uh, I'd need to look that up, I should have done, that came out of the blue, that memory. There was about five of us, and yeah. we would. Did Denise Breyer do it? I think Denise was on on a, on a couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, we went up north to record it in a small studio, which I think was more like a, a drum studio. It was a set of drums in the corner. Um, <laughs> we'd get it on the on the train to go up there. Uh, I don't know how many episodes we did. We saw a couple. I do now. You say uh, there was a company. Oh my goodness, Phil Littler was the animation director that rings and he had connections in russia so mm. yeah so that's why uh, but the animation i can imagine your father wasn't very happy with that you know whatever else was going on at the time it um, yeah. yes that uh, yeah i didn't know but we, we i don't think they ever released that series no well it, i think it was i think they only completed two or three episodes i've got the pilot episode here oh dear. and i don't think it's ever going to see the light of day because well, it's it's a bit of a disappointment i thank you for that <laughs> not the performances i hate to say no, okay. don't, your, don't your george on... washington was amazing oh, but, i don't uh, know about that uh, it was not it was just oh hey ho we're running that series yeah. down let's talk about something nice you can't have <laughs> you can't have successes throughout just it wouldn't be realistic no um yeah I mean, even back in the 60s, it probably may not have made it to the region you were in, but the Secret Service. So you, after Thunderbirds, you had Scarlet, mm. Joe 90, and Joe then the 90. Secret Service. So what about those three? Did any of those cross into your radar? Secret Service. Was that the one with the vicar? Yes, Stanley uh, Unwin. Yeah, I, I didn't see many episodes of that. Maybe I was getting to a, a certain age where I was doing other things. I don't know. I was going to acting school as a, as a, as a young child as well. So yeah. but I remember seeing Joe 90. Yep. Uh, I, I don't remember going on to things like Space 1999. 
yep. which I sometimes do voiceovers for now when they show on television. I do the promos for them and I go, oh, oh I you remember. do the Horror Channel ones. Uh, yes, AMC, yeah. yes. Amazing. Um, I was working with them yesterday, in fact. And um, yeah, they they play a lot of those. What else did I, I used to watch? Um, what was the, the one? UFO? UFO. Was that with Ed Bishop? That was Ed, yeah. The lovely Ed. I didn't see many. I only saw a couple of those. He looked great with his, his blonde hair. He mm -hmm. told me about doing filming that. He also told me about working on, I think, 2001 Space Oddity. Space was Odyssey. He in that? Yeah, I think he yeah. was. Uh, and uh, having been such a big fan of that. Uh, so he would tell me stories of that. Space 1999, Tony Anthony. I got to work with. Who was the leading actor in that now? Martin Lando. Martin Lando. I did a film called Pinocchio. And oh, okay. it was a, and it was, and I got to got to meet him once at one of the parties. But I was once again, I was, I was just voices in it, and uh, I had I had a great time doing that. So in a roundabout way, we do bump into each other on yeah. on different things, and we like with Can't Shane Shane Rimmer. Um, mm. The story about Shane was I when I first worked with him uh, um, would have been on uh, the Space Police, and that, yeah. I'm just looking at the date. Then that was we did that in '86. Yeah, and I played a character called VLAN, and he played Lieutenant Brogan. And years later, when we'd started, uh, no, we were doing an advert, and it was for Channel Four, and they did a few of them, and they did a few which were was the Thunderbirds kind of theme, and I played the Hood, and uh, Shane came in to play his character of Scott. I remember rightly, we yeah. did some for. Um, for Captain Scarlet, and Ed Bishop came in for that, and I was the voice of the Mistrons. I think that's when I used to talk to your dad about these things. And we yeah. were doing an advert, and this was after we'd filmed The Space Police, and uh, Shane would have known that we'd started doing Space Precinct. Mm. And he came in, and I said, oh, Shane, we worked together on a film called Whoops Apocalypse was one thing. And we worked to, together on uh, Space Police. And he knew your dad could hear. He said, yes, that, uh, that, that episode bought me a nice pair of shoes. <laughs> and I, I yeah. think your dad just kind of <sighs> thought let it go let it ride it doesn't matter yeah, yeah. He, he wanted to obviously do the series and that went to ted shackleford it did yeah, yeah. ted shackleford because they thought that shane was was too old that was the, the Which, feeling for the from the distributor possibly, of the network possibly that the case it, it, yeah. it was and and he had that kind of yeah, he, he was kind of that old American hero. Shane did have a, love, a lovely voice, though, didn't he? Oh, gorgeous voice, yeah. He and did. such a nice man as such well. Such a Superman. All those Bond movies that you, you, you turn on and you suddenly, his voice pops out yeah. this or that. And um, yeah, f a fabulous man. Yeah. No, whenever he used to phone me, there'd be that the first sort of 10, 15 seconds of the call would just be like, oh, Scott Tracy on the phone. Yeah. It was kind of, <laughs> kind of lovely to hear. That's That was sort of his voice. Yes, that's what you got. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, tremendous. <laughs> oh dear, sorry, just uh, oh, mm. you're Yeah, it's because I've, I've been practicing trying to do my Gary Martin voice while while the interview oh, played out. And I just that cannot low, could do you? it. I've hurt my throat. No, no. Very, it's too late. Anyway, can I just say, Gary was a bit worried about um, gabbling on and saying too much, and I think he's brilliant. Oh, he he yes. gives like plenty of insight and lovely stories and anecdotes, and yeah. this is exactly what we yeah. want, Gary. So if you enjoyed hearing from Gary, do tweet him. Uh, yes, and right. uh, Instagram him. He's Ooh. Gary Martin Vox, V O X. Okay. Also, find out more about him at his official website, GaryMartin.com. I mean, yep. GaryMartin.co.uk. I just oh, automatically replace.co.uk with .coms now, oh, you see. You're so international. GaryMartin.co.uk. So go and find him and say thanks. And there's more Gary Martin uh, for the next two weeks. Great. Oh, well done, you. That's fantastic, Jamie. See, I, you, you say a colleague, I. I 
don't remember meeting Gary. <gasps> no way! I know, because it was well, all remote never and shall meet. Absolutely, it's all on playback. That's right. So they would literally play Slow-Mo's voice, at, you know, in the studio as as the uh, the model moved around and wobbled and flashed its lights. Gosh, and that was probably Richard so. Gregory, wasn't it? It was um, operating Slow-Mo. I should imagine so. That's right. Very different now, I think. You know, Doctor Who with the Daleks, I think Nick's there, isn't he? Nick Briggs is in the studio doing it live, which I think is a much better way of part, doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. it has a, it activates the lights on the on the domes, uh-huh. the voice. Yes, yes, um, there you go. Whereas I guess Slomo yeah. didn't have that. But uh, No. Anyway, there you nice. go. Lovely, there Gary. More next week. Great. Uh, in the meantime, you are, of course, listening to the one and only Jerry Anderson podcast. Uh, yeah, oh. do us a favour. Hey? Come on. Just hit the subscribe button or the follow or the like button or whichever platform you're listening to us on, eh? Yeah, that'd be nice if you would. Uh, also, you could leave a nice review or a rating uh, to let us know how we're doing and exactly what you think of us. And uh, why not copy and paste the URL to your uh, social medias, your Twitters and your Facebooks and let everyone know what you're listening to and they might join in too. That would be nice. Because the more the merrier. I was going to say you know, exactly that. It is, yeah, you know, it's an ever-growing right. community of podsterons and we love having you along for the ride. That's right. Uh, And talking about the community, over on YouTube, where Mm -hmm. this podcast is posted every week, uh, of course, it is available elsewhere. Most people, I think, get it via various apps, don't they? Podcast and Podbean and Spotify and uh, what's it called? Apple Apple Podcasts now and all that sort of stuff. But it is on YouTube where people do post, for example, under the uh, the recent Fab Facts posting about... uh, our Thunderbird's favourite script being written in a caravan, if you oh, remember yes. that, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Ian Dealey said, Nice to have Richard James read the, read the fab fact for a change, and a great fact too. Oh. It's nice, isn't it? There you go. You're uh, getting a lot of praise today, yeah. aren't you? Oh, I, mean, I like it. Not, it's good, not it? undeservedly, yeah. but... Well, that's very kind. Uh, Steve Gregan said, uh, classic television, great memories of my childhood. Mikey Mike said, awesome story, guys. It just goes to show that you can find inspiration anywhere, even in an old, cold caravan. That's true. Totally uh, true. Louise mentioned this. Uh, oh, early fab facts this week, she says. Exciting. <laughs> there. Sometimes we're <laughs> late. week. Sometimes yeah. we're late and we average in between yeah. on time. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Godzilla says, Happy birthday to Thunderbirds for its 55th anniversary. I'm French and I love this show. It's on my top 10 best series of all time. Mm. High praise Uh, indeed. Nice. Yeah, cool guy 5058 says, Thunderbirds? Never heard of it. Fair enough. You you think he's being uh, sarky? That's right. Uh, Stephen Morgan. We asked where our writerly listeners did their writing, didn't we, Jamie? And uh, Stephen says, well, sitting on the loo. Okay. That's a bit bit too much information, I think, but... uh, we are. Just a bit. Yeah. Where um, do you find your inspiration? Can, can I, I suppose? I'm just going to take it from the ridiculous to the sublime, just just for a moment, if you don't mind. Yes, I would. Uh, because yes, we haven't do. we haven't mentioned this that um, uh, dear friend of the podcast, Stephen mm. Critchlow, passed away a couple of weeks <gasps> ago unexpectedly, um, yes. which we haven't paid uh, respects to. Um, yes, he was a brilliant guest, so enthusiastic about the shows, and actually, we were so desperate to to work with Stephen at some point. Yeah, um, I'm absolutely imagine. gutted that that hasn't hasn't happened, hasn't worked out. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to, uh, you know, post a nice comment or pay your respects, do go back and listen to the Stephen Critchlow episodes of the podcast because he was a he was a lovely chap, and uh, I know friends and family and colleagues will miss him dearly. So yeah. sorry to bring the tone down for a moment, the mood down. Yeah, no, uh, no, but, and, uh, and a lovely. A lovely thing happened. I don't know if you saw this on online, but uh, he had obviously given voice to many uh, characters in uh, various video games. And so mm. on. There was one in particular where uh, uh, the players decided to all be online at a particular point in this sort of uh, fantasy world that the game took place in, and uh, had their characters all stand in a line in uh, in tribute to Stephen, oh. which was rather lovely. So you can find that on Twitter, and somehow you'll find it. It's a rather moving uh, thing to have done. I think that is lovely. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. 
Right. Where where do we go from here, Richard James? I mean, I can see well, over there Chris Dale has finished whittling. And he's oh, now... yeah, good, right? Oh, I wasn't oh. expecting this. Well, is that me? No, but do you see what he's done? He's actually what? also sculpted what is one of those... What's it called when they have the, you know, the throne that's carried... And he's got oh, yeah, you a, and me. A sedan chair. He's got a sedan chair. sedan chair. And Chris is in yes. the sedan. I mean. Oh, well, that's typical. That is, Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. T- typical. Great. Typical randomizer, oh, that is. Yeah. Anyway, Chris, they're beautiful models, but not what I was expecting at all. Anyway, look, Chris, the randomizer, the randomizer general, the archbishop of randomizer, uh, is here to do the randomizer, where he's got a machine called the randomizer. He presses a button on it. It selects a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson show, and then he watches it and tells you his thoughts. Um, It's true. And he'll be doing that from his sedan chair, I suppose. I suppose he will, yes. Comfortable up there, are you? Yeah. All right, Chris, over to you then. Charming. Jim. Mm. Hey, Jim. Mm. Wake up. Well, who, who are you? Oh, hi. Well, uh, my name's Chris, and I'm not your wife, and... Uh, what do you want? Well, I was rather hoping to ask you to press my button today. You're going to what? Uh, well, yes, you see, I've got this machine right here. Uh, now, now, look here. What's that? Oh, uh, don't worry. It's just the randomizer. Uh, think you can figure out how to operate it? Well... You must depress the button on the control console. That's it, you've got it! I wish... I knew what this is all about. Oh, uh, don't worry about your wife, by the way. Marina's taken her out for a bit of a girl's night. I merely put on one of her nightgowns and got into bed with you. So that explains it. Yes, indeed. Right, let's see what we have here. Okay, well, today's episode is Terror Hawks and its first strike. Suppose I should get out of bed and watch it, really? Stop. Sorry? I was just hoping to get to know you better. Ah, well... Uh, you certainly got a got a lovely voice. Well, aren't you sweet? But still, duty calls. Oh. So, welcome back to Terrorhawks on the Randomizer. And uh, I was just thinking there, as the, uh, the uh, credits uh, drew to a close there, how... Much like the Joe 90 opening theme, the, the opening titles and the, the music of Terrorhawks just makes me happy. For a lot of the, the other Anderson shows, you know, for, for Stingray and Thunderbirds or whatever, I, I get excited. Maybe there's a bit of nostalgia in there, but for, for Terrorhawks, as well as the excitement and the nostalgia, it's just it's such a happy piece of music and uh, and a, a happy show for me in, in, in many ways. And anyway, we're opening with uh, Kate re-recording. Faster than the speed of your love. This was something I always found odd with Kate. Uh, I get that they had like 20 songs recorded for her, but very often you would see her in the in the studio re-recording yet another version of a song that we already know she she's recorded before or she's performed live before. But uh, how was it? Yeah, well, uh, it was. Um... That's it for me. They they're always good to hear again. I I love the the songs in this show. I love the quality of the songs. This is yeah, right for me. Fifteen twenty consistently good quality songs from Kate, and it's it's such a shame that so many of them are just uh, like fantastic, sensational, lost to history, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but how was it for you, Stu? <sighs> Stu's having a bit of a moment there. Great. He's also got a lot of prop. Uh, Prop food on his desk. Nice too. A lot of sandwiches. Night, Miss Kestrel. And a Coke can. Um, Thanks. 
strategically positioned so as not to uh, display the Coke logo directly to the camera. By the way, Stu, I think you're pretty fantastic. Fantastic? Ah. Oh yeah, right, got it. Fantastic, <laughs> yeah. And again, we know uh, we've had subtle hints up to this point that uh, Stu has a, a, a bit of a fondness for Kate, and uh, sometimes it's nice to see it uh, reciprocated as well. Adam, I, uh, I must have closed my eyes for a moment or two. And Hudson was asleep. That's all right, Hudson. Home, madam? Where else? So, leaving Anderbur Records after a fairly late night, and who's this following them? There's a... Uh, Shadowy, a pair of shadowy figures in a red car. Like the donkey, Hudson, we seem to have a tail. Indeed, madam. I have observed their presence for some time. I think I'd better report it to Hawknest. It's nice as well we have a, a nice sort of suspicious, ominous opening. We're not starting on on Mars with a bit of, uh, a bit of silliness up there. Keeping their distance. All right, Kate. Take it easy and drive home. But as we'll ultimately discover, the Martians, uh, for once in this episode, weren't actually plotting anything. So don't like it. Stand by to launch Hawkwing. Ten-ten. Zero? Saw. Come with me. I may need you. You only have to say the word, and I's with you every inch of the way. In Hawkwing? Where's he gonna sit? This is a ten-fifty. Oh, okay, they've... They've got a little zeroid seat behind Tiger. And there's stock footage of Hawkeye in the, uh, well, they, they call it the egg section of Hawkwing, don't they? Pretending that uh, he's still part of the show, which, of course, he barely is by this point. So, Hawkwing is off. Separation in ten seconds. Stand by. Ten-ten, Hawkeye. Uh, who are you again? Four, three, two, one, zero. Oh, I, I like Hawkeye. As as many of you will probably uh, probably appreciate, I never quite understood what happened with him in the second series. He's th he's there quite prominently in the first episode of series two, and then this and Runaway, and I think that's it. He's he's gone otherwise. But again, a nice uh, nice building element of mystery in this one, as Hawkwing approaches uh, Kate's little mountain hideaway, and uh, again the, the fact that it's all taking place at night makes the effects look that much uh, much more convincing. And this is one of those episodes where, I think I may have said this before, but that um, as Terrorhawks developed, you know, it got increasingly uh, tongue-in-cheek. But there were times when that made the more serious episodes and moments work much better. And this is a prime example of that. On the light, Shaw. No. Kate, where are you? About a mile from the house. Just drive straight up. We'll be waiting. Uh, Tiger and Zero have already got there. I guess Hawkeye's gone home. Because, you know, it's not like he could have been of any use here at all. Tiger? Over here. Leave the lights off. I've just taken my clothes off and I'm kind of embarrassed. You must have stopped at the foot of the rise. Mm, yep, he stopped. Tiger. Listen. Chopper. An XK-20. Ooh. Looks a lot like, um, Colonel Johnson's helijet, actually. 
I suspect it's the same model, and why not? I mean, you only need it for that one shot. It's K20, and it's down. Move the men in. Oh. So the car is now signaling. I thought I saw some movement to the right, but I can't be sure. Who are they, Tiger? I wish I knew. Oh, and the house is surrounded. All right, you tarot hawks. You're surrounded. We're coming in. And they are too. They're coming up in the lift. Tiger's got his gun ready. And there is... Well, our pair of shadowy men from the car. Guns. Put them down. You might hit one of these grenades. <laughs> That'd make a mess. So, this is the famous hawk nest. You must be Einstein. I'm General Cord. Rip to my men and my friends. Mm. All right, General Rip Cord. Yeah, Why there's the uh, the slightly serious uh, tone of the opening has kind of been thrown out the window there. I told them, give me 24 hours, I'll find Hawk Nest. What in Sam Hill is this? But I like this idea that the military have been assigned to, to track down Hawk Nest and uh, Cord is so convinced that he's done it by finding Kate's mountain hideaway. Yeah, you're not so bad. And Cord has a bit of a fondness for... Saw. Not just a fondness, but an instant acceptance of what Zero is. Oh, you got a sentient robot. Oh, okay, I'm on board with that. He's a nice guy. Mention of the world president there. The NASA representative, sure. We'll meet up there. On that excuse for a spaceship of yours. Ooh. You're out of your mind. My orders are to assume command of the Terrorhawk organization as of now. We meet on Spacehawk. So they've uh, dragged Johnson up to Spacehawk. My command? Well, well, let's say someone's been put in over your head on a hopefully temporary basis. How temporary? Who knows? A week's a long time in the power game. Yeah. And I do like what they did with Johnson uh, throughout the course of the series, from you know developing from a basic you know just authority figure into something a bit more well a bit more realistic. He's very often, um, although he's Tiger's superior essentially, he's very often he f finds himself on the defensive with with Tiger. I'm a hot bath man. Yeah, that's what I figured. Oh, come on over here. Got something to show you. So everyone's on Spacehawk. Take a look out there. And what do we have here? A fairly large and impressive spaceship. What is it? Big White One. Commissioned last month, the most powerful space carrier ever built. Why wasn't I told about this? Because it was a secret military project. And what do you intend to do with this Big White One? Eliminate the threat of Zelda. Aha, there it is. My intention to blow that alien complex and everyone in it off the face of Mars. And it's a lovely model, this big white one. But there we go. We are halfway through the episode. We haven't even met the Martians yet. Um, but we are now leaving orbit. Five four and a half engine rooms. And even though really all we see of this ship is the bridge, populated by three puppets. That's a uh, orbit. Yes, General. General Cord and, and two other officers. The fact that it's so completely dwarf Spacehawk, you really do get the sense that this is a huge, huge ship with a lot of people on board. Nice soundtrack on that, uh, those engines as well. You there, Einstein? I'm here 
Follow Big White One. <laughs> That's if you can keep up. Ooh. Set a course for Mars. And these soldier characters look quite fun. I, I think because there's something about male Terrorhawks characters, by and large, they look quite... Their heads look quite solid and stocky, and it actually suits these soldier characters fairly well, especially where, as most of them have got no hair. Meanwhile, Youngstar is uh, dealing with more important matters. What on Mars was that? Oh. <laughs> I've no idea, man, grandmother. Oh. Someone put explosive in my granite crunchies. Oh dear. I love that not only are we at this part of the series where Youngstar basically can't do anything without fear of being blown up or crushed by uh, by Itstar. Well, yes, it was you, but the other you. I also like that he's coming so completely bedraggled and, and he is smouldering, but also there's smoke coming out of the puppet's mouth as if that bomb went off inside his mouth. Mother... Which is fairly horrible, but also uh, quite in keeping for how uh, how cruel it star is to young star. What do you see in your amazing crystal? Two of Earth's comms spaceships approach. The Terrorhawks? One most certainly belongs to that accursed clan. Yeah, this is just the Martians were minding their own business until Cord decided to get it into his head to go after them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been doing anything this week. There is little doubt that they intend to attack, <gasps> to arms. We must defend ourselves. Yeah. Oh, this is good stuff. Some very good stuff coming up. Patch me through to spacewalk. I love this, sir. Uh, lowering and raising microphone that Cord's got right next to his chair. Instigate a first strike nuclear attack on the alien base on Mars. Mm. Nuclear? Madness. I'm gonna stop it. Yay. Oh, he's taking... Oh, it's Hawklet. Little Hawklet. Um, which we saw a couple of times in the second series. Einstein's coming aboard, sir. Take a note, Sergeant, on how to handle a whining... Pinko weirdo. Ooh. Well, it seems Court has uh, some uh, some uh, things on his mind regarding Einstein. Welcome aboard. Let me show you around a real starship. Having said that, I do like the look of the bridge and the, the way the soldier characters fit into it. Um, I have to say, though, the way Cord is sat on his chair, it does look a bit like he's sort of um, listening, Sergeant? on the bog. Hearing this? The idea of a nuke first strike is to eliminate the enemy so it can't retaliate. So, they have the ability to control matter, bend time. They'll hit back and hard. I've met you bleeding hard. That's that's an, a, a lovely point that Tiger raises there that takes into account not only Zelda but certain other members of her her clan. These these monsters that the Terrorhawks have faced over the years. I'm asking you to call off the attack. Negative. Which, of course, leads into a wonderful sequence on Mars. This is possibly one of my favourite shots of the whole series coming because up. Because who will fly the Zeefs already, mine grandmother? Ah. Because we've called in those monsters to fly the Zeefs. A farmer. To defend Mars. Mighty Shram. Lord of Felony. Yay. Lord Temple. Master of Time. Yay. The delightfully devious 
Tsarai Napoleon. Yay. And uh, young star. Stand up straight, you heavenly oh. The Earth's come are attempting to annihilate our base. But we will retaliate in full. Good fortune, my brave Avengers. <laughs> yeah, I love this shot of young star Tempo, Yuri, and Sram. Or the four of them together on screen. Save your thunder for the enemy. And this, I found this on first viewing so satisfying, seeing these well, three of the, the regular guest monsters uh, on screen together, because considering the show had like four or five guest monsters, they were never on screen together except for this episode. It was like almost like they they never interacted. Now here we have um, Young Star and, and Yuri going out. Okay, we've seen that before. Lord Tempo teaming up with SRAM, which is a nice image considering there's uh, there's not much room in the Zeef cockpit. There's not much headroom for SRAM, and also the fact that SRAM doesn't talk anymore. I do particularly love, though, the Young Star Yuri team up. Where y Young Star would have himself believe that he is in command, and really it's just, you know, we'll do whatever whatever the heck Yuri feels like doing is what we're going to do. Two interceptors destroyed. Something's locking their guns. What? Yes, and here we have these, uh, these interceptors that Big White One has sent out. Looking very similar to the Vipers from the original uh, Battlestar Galactica. Now, and also that is driven home in the, the the launch tube that we see them deployed from, is basically the same tunnel that you'd see on on Galactica. I believe the tube was the, the the model of the tube was mounted vertically, and the the vehicles were then sort of dropped. The camera was positioned at the top of the the launch bay, and the the Vipers were just dropped to the bottom. You'd never realise that unless you'd seen pictures behind the scenes, and this is very cool. Having been blown to bits. As a master of time, I can arrange an action replay. Tempo and Sram Zeef magically reforms. I don't know how Lord Tempo manages to reconstitute himself after he's been blown to bits. You would think that once he was blown to bits, he was dead, and um, obviously not. But it's, it's also very cool that just for that moment, you think, oh my goodness, they've killed two of our, our regular villains. Oh, no, wait, they haven't. I like it when they can't hit back. And it helps make make the Martians seem like a credible threat for once um, because they are killing these um, these uh, interceptor pilots that's young star has just murdered all interceptors are destroyed whoever was at the controls of that interceptor launched the second wing and court hasn't learnt anything we're gonna send out some more and that one doesn't even get out of the launch tunnel before it gets blown to bits call it off negative so it's lovely to not only have the Martians on the defensive for once, but actually to see them, you know, rout their opposition so thoroughly. We were nearly hit. Do something, Yuri. Yeah, what's Yuri gonna do? He's gonna break the guns. And these guns are very similar to the ones seen on um, on Moonbase Alpha through the second series of Space 1999. All port side guns inoperative. You can't win this one. There is also a statue on the side of Big White One we saw in a, a few shots as the Zeefs were, were overflying it. I'd love to know what that actually was. I'd also love to know 
Damage control reports fires in number four and five holes. While all this is going on, where is Spacehawk? Mars. But sir, I gave you an order. It's like Spacehawk suddenly doesn't exist because surely if they were anywhere nearby, they would be offering covering fire and the Zeefs would be would be going after Spacehawk. But it's like, no, 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 we've sir. developed engine trouble on the way to Mars or something. They're nowhere to be seen. It didn't back down. Now, Cord, faced with overwhelming odds, I never lost a game in my life. He's having a complete mental breakdown. I never back down. I won that game. With flashbacks to some kind of childhood trauma. I'm assuming command, Sergeant. The General's unwell. And it's kind of a, an easy way to resolve Cord. Oh, we would just make him unstable. But for a kid's show... Gutless wonders. This is very strange. Oh, intelligentsios, all trying to put all rip down. He's pulled out a grenade. I showed him. Hit him low and hard. I hit him low and hard in the guts. I won that game. I won the game. Ran in a 60-yard touchdown. And this is consistent with uh, other similar Anderson characters who believe... It's a dud. Might is right. We saw that on General Ward's desk in Avalanche. You can believe that he would have launched his first strike against the Mistrons and been absolutely flattened by their retaliation the same way that tried to fight a war he couldn't win. The Cord has been yes, here. Sir. Corset. Because he thought he could just go in and nuke the Martians and uh Oh that that final zoom in on Cord as you hear voices in his head. He's clearly completely broken. Oh, I was magnificent. And the fact that it's these four who broke him is quite impressive. I feel the hand of Einstein in this retreat. Defense is sometimes the best form of attack. But mother, we won. This time, yes. For once, we can claim victory. Victory. We must defeat the accursed clones! Oh, but for now at least they've uh, caused General Ripcord um, temporary, possibly permanent mental uh, disarray, and that was First Strike. Oh, that is one of the best episodes of Terrorhawks. I feel that is a very popular one among fans of the show. And I, I think it's it's not only to do with the fact that we saw three of the, the regular alien monster characters working together, which is a lovely image. It's like, why wasn't the show doing that more often? But also the, the, the serious tone of the thing right the way through, which is very unusual for this period of Terrorhawks. And to give us the, um, you know, okay, General Ripcord in Big White One, it's obviously a whole you know, Moby Dick reference thing, but uh, the character comes in very strong and his breakdown at the end is is extremely believable. It's kind of a shame, again, that this is only 25 minutes. This is one that could have been expanded. More of what's here would have been so lovely because it's so much good stuff here. And if you fancy watching this episode, you can do so. It's up there for free on the Jerry Anderson YouTube channel. Ah. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to uh, then mimic the Anderson Burr sting at the end. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, Ooh. no, no. But Excuse I, me. I know, you like a bit of Terrorhawks, I know that. Oh, I do love a bit of Terrorhawks. Yeah. And First Strike is a good right. one. So 
Uh, well, yeah. not everybody would agree with that. But of course, uh, yeah, any any Terror Hawks is a bit of fun. I mean, I would love to know, Postron, have you been converted to Terror Hawks? via this podcast have we convinced you to Ooh. give it a go and you found a new oh. love for it or have we convinced you to have a go and you found a new hatred for it we'd yeah, love to know <laughs> do email us podcast <laughs> well, I'm not watching that <laughs> podcast at jerryanson.com uh, with your Terror Hawks thoughts particularly based on today's randomizer has that encouraged you to give it a try let us know mm. Uh, mm. Chris will be back next week. Um, oh, I'm, that's a relief. Well, I'm not carrying him anywhere in that fucking chair, so... No, um, no. He'll be back and uh, with, with more random episodes of more random Manson shows, I should think. That's what yeah, he normally does, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, and does. if you would like just to hear Chris and not me and Richard, then uh, you can head over to the Jerry Anson Randomizer podcast, which is uh, a podcast all of its very own, taking the randomizer one week at a time, uh, all for your auditory enjoyment. Yeah, and uh, secretly... Now, Jamie doesn't know this, but you can also now download, download a special edition of the podcast every week with all Jamie's bits cut out. So, uh, What's that called? Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> it's called the Richard James Podcast. Oh, it's just nice. me, but it's all my kind of, you know, everything. It's our interactions, but with just your half of the conversation cut out. Brilliant. Probably makes more yeah. sense. It probably does, to be honest. Yeah. It's a bit light on news, though. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Nobody enjoys the news. That's all right. We'll forgive it. Anyway, look, I, I think we're kind of approaching the end of this, aren't we? I mean, just this episode, yeah. not, not the podcast oh, sure. in general. Yeah, I think that'll do, yeah. The yeah. Pod 173, I think that's about right, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm, I, sorry, yeah, I'm a bit of a yawn, sorry. Oh, gosh, off he goes. <sighs> oh, it's oh. nothing personal. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, it's been a bit of a full-on few weeks. Uh, we mm -hmm. would love it if you'd subscribe or follow the podcast or whatever your app allows you to do and just yeah. and to do us a lovely, um, a lovely review. And yeah, that'd be good. In fact, I'm feeling rather generous. So oh, yes. if you Here leave us a new review on a new platform <gasps> between the 1st of October and the 8th of October, screenshot yeah. it and email it into podcast at jerryanson.com. I will pick five of my favourites oh. and send you a little something special uh, as an early nice. Christmas gift. How's that? So nice. uh, leave a brand new review between the 1st and the 7th of October inclusive. Uh, screenshot it and email it in to podcastjerryanson.com and uh, I'll pick my five favourites and send you something nice. Lovely. Is that bribery? Yeah. I don't think that's bribery. I think yeah. that's encouragement, well, isn't it? It's rewarding, isn't it? I didn't say that they'd have to be favourable. Uh, no. So, uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. What, you're going to pick a really bad one? Well, if, it's, if it's mm. worthwhile and funny, then maybe, but yeah, I, I'm not encouraging yeah. that. Anyway, no. that's all we have to say, isn't it? We haven't got any yeah, more. that's all we have to say. Good. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, so all that, that leaves us to say is stand by for action. Oh, I, um, I make sure again. you use the code uh, Jerry2022 <sighs> to get early access to the pre-sale of the concert uh, at the end of this week. And um, yeah. we'll see you next week in pod 174,000. <gasps> see you then. <laughs> Bye.
So, Richard James, what are you most excited uh, about for the concert? Oh, the concert. Um, well, obviously, uh, comparing from the stage in my, uh, you know, tuxedo, my black tie. Oh, yeah. Uh, being shown onto the stage by, a, a, you know, a gaggle of uh, beauties. Uh, obviously, yeah. being handed a, a plate of canapes and a glass of uh, wine on, on arrival. Being looked after and, yeah. uh, you know, generally escorted Good. around the place. Uh, the VIP area in the bar afterwards. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Um, and so, then yeah, back in the real thing. world, how, oh, how are you see. feeling well, about it all? <laughs> sitting in the audience with everyone else and listening to the great <laughs> music of Barry Gray. Oh, and Crispin Morell and Richard Harvey. Uh, fantastic. Fantastic. You see, brilliant. It is it's all, it's there. all of them. It's not just Barry. That's great. Obviously, Barry's stuff is hugely important. But of I, course. I think the whole point of this is to go, yes. you know, uh, nose to tail, as they say oh, in the with a uh, live orchestra. World. That's going to be yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, and no, I'm very Gosh. excited. And and some very cool announcements to come as well. Um, nice. Some additional uh, guests and, uh, and material and stuff like that. And you'll be singing, of course. Uh, yes, you'll be I'm, giving I'm, us your. Uh, uh, I wish I'm, I was a spaceman. I'm singing the tenor part for um, the Secret Service. Obviously, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm absolutely not doing that. No, I, I shall be sat in the audience like everybody else, just enjoying yeah. it and letting it all wash over me. Oh, so, um, brilliant! I hope lots of you positrons will join us there. Fingers crossed. Uh, yes. Yeah, and also, Richard, we are going to be playing Space Precinct. Oh, wonderful! So that'll be cool. Because I don't know if you know, but. Uh... But I was in that, so that would no. be a special moment. What? Oh, yeah, I know. I don't. I don't I, like to talk about. I it. can't believe you didn't mention this because yeah. uh, no, we could have no. maybe fit, fit you into the show somehow. But now it's just yeah. it's too late. Oh, to, well. uh, never oh, mind. Oh, Curses. Oh well. well oh, that's great. You, you go over and get over that, and I'll uh, I'll yeah. go and reserve your tickets. Thanks. And, uh, see you next week. Yeah. See you right. then. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.